This is episode 289 of the AWS podcast, released on January 13th, 2019. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesher here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined by a very special guest to talk about a very special topic. I'm joined by Andrew Crudge, who's a Senior Product Manager for FSX at Amazon. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Now, you are here to talk to us today about a new service that I know a lot of our customers have been waiting for, which is Amazon FSX for Windows File Server, and I'm sure I'll trip over that name at some point today. But um, one of the things that we were talking about briefly before we started recording the show is that 95% of our roadmap is actually created by what customers are asking us to do for them, which is a great way to go. So maybe let's start with that. Why did customers ask us to create this service for them? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the customers that we spoke to when we were initially developing the product, um, you know, a lot of the feedback that they shared was uh, many of these customers have existing Windows-based workloads um, that they're currently running either on AWS or on-premises. Uh, and these are workloads like CRM software, ERP software, um, .NET applications, a variety of media processing or transcoding workloads, uh, as well as simple home directories. So things like departmental shares or user shares where you're just storing your files and you want to share it with your teammates. Uh, and a core thread across all of these types of workloads is that many of these workloads rely on shared storage that can be broadly accessed from Windows instances. And so... A lot of these customers are really excited to move these workloads to AWS, and they're looking for a stored solution that could help support these workloads. Uh, as we were looking at possible solutions um, and you know different alternatives for supporting the storage need, we we asked a lot of uh, questions to customers about well, what do they need from the storage? You know, what what types of compatibility do they need? What types of features do they need? What are they looking for ultimately when they're evaluating storage options? Uh, and ultimately, what what a lot of customers shared with us is they're really just looking for a native Windows file system, a file system that you know is compatible with what they're currently doing, a file system that has all of the features that they're currently taking advantage of. Uh, customers don't want to necessarily need to you know, compare their current solution to something else that exists and, and do extensive testing to try to understand which features may or may not work exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really just looking for a solution that works the way their current solution does. They, they kind of just want so a, a drop-in replacement, don't they? Like, just give me what I've got, but exactly. make it easier for me. Yep, exactly. Um, and so actually, we we looked at a number of different options, including adding SMB support to our existing Amazon Elastic File System product. Uh, mm-hmm. SMB is the underlying protocol that a lot of Windows applications are uh, use when talking to shared file storage. And, and it's not um, SIFS, is it? It's SMB. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, SIFS is, is sort of another, another word that's used for it. Uh, it often gets used incorrect, and it makes people twitch when you say SIFS when you mean SMB. <laughs> Slightly, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we did we did explore adding you know a, a bunch of different protocols to EFS, and ultimately what we realized was customers are just looking for a solution that works like what they have today. And so as a result, uh, that, that was sort of the starting point for this product as we envisioned it. Um, And as a result of this feedback that we heard pretty strongly from a large number of customers, the product that we actually ended up building, Amazon FSx for Windows File Server, is actually built on top of Windows Server. Um, It's it's powered by Windows Server software. And as a result, you know, it provides a lot of compatibility for features that customers have just come to expect from Windows Storage. Features like NTFS, like Active Directory integration, features like distributed file system or DFS for replication across sites, things like that. That's a really interesting starting point too because really what we're saying here is that the, the core of the service is built on the Windows platform. So there's no kind of emulation or shims or kind of 
workarounds that may work now but don't work later. This this is the the uh, the SMB platform on the Windows platform. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, we really want to allow customers who have existing you know setups that are running on top of Windows based storage to be able to ha- you know have the same kinds of features, the same kinds of compatibility in the cloud as they would today. So so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the protocol support because that's probably the the starting point for most listeners who are running uh, any kind of Windows file servers at the moment. Uh, SMB protocol support, what are the versions that customers can use on this service? Sure. So we support uh, version 2.0 and newer of the SMB protocol. So we support you know up to the latest version at this time, which is, I believe, 3.1.1. So we're accessible as a result from a variety of different operating systems, including the newest Windows Server 2016, 2019, as well as uh, Windows 10 but also some of the older versions, such as Windows Server 2013 or 2008 and Windows 7 as well. Cool. And you could use Linux too if, if, uh, if Linux you've got Linux systems currently accessing those file systems for whatever reason, you can continue to use those too, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we do support access to FSx for Windows file server file systems from Linux clients um, that are running the open source software. Fantastic. Fantastic. And so... Let's talk a bit about performance because performance typically is the the main or the first pain, if you like, of, of file servers, which is do I make it run fast enough? And this service is built on SSD storage, which probably can't hurt the throughput and performance aspects, can it? Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, we uh, we purposely wanted to make sure the product offered customers the performance that they would expect and they would need for a lot of their applications. And so as a result, we, we are using SSD storage behind the scenes to store all customer data. The result of which is for the majority of file system operations, things like reads and writes and opens, uh, the product actually actually delivers sub-millisecond latencies for the majority of these operations. And also another benefit of us using SSD storage is the ability for your file systems and your storage to scale to pretty high levels of throughput and IOPS. Fantastic. And I think from, from reading the documentation here, the the maximum size of a file system is 64 terabytes and throughput of up to two gig per second per file system. So pretty pretty beefy file systems if you want to build them out that way. Yep, yeah, exactly. And it, as you mentioned, it uses DFS. So maybe talk briefly about what, what DFS is and, and how that lets you scale out using this particular service too. Sure, absolutely. So first I'll talk a little bit about just sort of what we offer for each file system in terms of availability and replication. So each, each file system that's created, again, these are, these are fully managed Windows file systems in AWS. All of the data within each individual file system is automatically replicated by the service. This is a synchronous replication um, that, that occurs within a single availability zone. So the service is fully managing that replication on your behalf. Uh, as a result, each file system, you know, from an availability, from a durability perspective, is actually fairly similar to what a lot of the customers we've talked to might have in their existing data centers. Again, we, we do replication just like many existing Windows file systems do. Uh, and we do that replication within a single data center or within a single availability zone, uh, which provides you know, lower latencies and, and really high levels of performance. For customers who are looking at setting up a multi-site setup, uh, we do fully support Microsoft's distributed file system or DFS. So what this means is customers can actually create two Amazon FSx file systems in two different availability zones. And essentially with DFS, what you can do is you could set up something called DFS replication between two file systems, which is uh, an asynchronous replication where the two file systems will propagate any changes that occurred to them to the other file system. And you can also set up a single DFS namespace name. And this is this name is, is almost like a DNS record where clients are mounting this single name 
And this name actually points behind the scenes to both of the file systems. And so through this combination of DFS replication and DFS namespaces, what customers can do with Amazon FSx if they're looking for a multi-site setup is create two file systems, set up replication between them, set up a single name that points to both. And in that way, clients that are mounting this pair of file systems, from their perspective, they just see one, one name. But behind the scenes, that setup is highly available in the sense that if one of the file systems because un becomes unavailable, clients will automatically switch over and start talking to the other file system. And as, as the original file system comes back up, again, this is a fully managed service. So, so Amazon is, is fully you know, ensuring that the hardware is healthy and will bring up any hardware as needed. As the original file system comes back up, a DFS replication will sync the data back to that one and, and keep both of the file systems in sync. Fantastic. And that, that takes a big headache away, which is the, the availability piece of keeping file systems up because they, they tend to work their way in over time, particularly in, in uh, more established architectures, into a, a critical piece of the architecture that if the file system is down, everything else stops working. So this sounds like a pretty handy strategy to reduce that, particularly if maybe you're running a, a, an existing file server that's a little long in the tooth and not, not as reliable as it once was. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we, we, we purposely wanted to make sure we supported DFS at launch so that we give customers the ability to really architect for multiple availability zones if that's something that's important to their applications. That's very cool. Very cool. And, and I know another thing that, that customers were asking for around this capability was clearly around security and compliance. So often these file systems have a lot of sensitive information, important information. They need to understand it's protected and that it's also adhering to different standards. And I think the team have done a tremendous job for our customers on this. Maybe walk us through the the different dimensions there that we have available to us in terms of how you can protect the data and also attest to who can access the data and how. Yeah, absolutely. So th there's a number of uh, security and compliance features that are built into the product. Starting with, we, we're fully integrated with a number of AWS services when, when it comes to security. Um, these are services such as IAM that allow administrators to control which users can create, modify, delete file systems. We, we are integrated with uh, VPC, so all file systems are accessible within a VPC, and customers can set up specific security groups to essentially, they're almost like firewall rules that uh, allow them to control which clients and which IP addresses can talk to file systems in the first place. For clients that are actually talking to file systems, so all Amazon FSx for Windows file server file systems are actually, when you create the file system, you can select an active directory to join your file system to. And what this means is, users and applications that are connecting to the file system, all of those connections are actually authenticated against the Active Directory. So you, if you have one particular user who creates files in the file system and sets the permissions a certain way, you know, another user, unless they're granted permissions to that file, can't access, can't delete that data. You know, that's support that we have by virtue of our support for Active Directory. We support things like Windows access control lists for users to determine who can access their data. A, a level below that as well, so all data at rest is encrypted in the file systems. By default, uh, we, we're fully integrated with uh, AWS Key Management Service. So customers can choose to bring their own KMS key if they have requirements to do so, uh, or they could simply select the default key that we'll create on customers' behalves. Uh, in addition, we do support uh, the latest version of SMB has native encryption and transit built in as well. So if, if customers are mounting from the latest versions of Windows Server or Windows 10, data will be encrypted automatically in transit. That's cool. uh, on, on a slightly separate dimension, the service itself is PCI DSS compliant, it's ISO compliant, and it's also HIPAA eligible. 
and from some of the feedback we got from customers is these compliances are really important for customers to be able to store you know, their really business critical data on these services. And so we wanted to make sure that when we launched the service, we supported all of these things upfront. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think this is a really interesting one where clearly the, the customer demand for what the service needed to do was very much uh, security focused. Uh, it's interesting if I think back to some of the, the older services like um, Simple Queue service, et cetera, which only sort of recently got encryption capabilities, whereas this service has come out of the gate with that encryption because it is so important to being able to adopt this in your environment. So the great thing is, is again, security can be a real pain and the performance of encryption, et cetera, can be a real pain and this takes care of it and ticks the compliance boxes as well. So it really puts our customers in a good position to um, to get their data in a secure and robust location. But, but if I've got uh, an existing file server that I'm you know, running my business off or, or many multiples as a lot of our larger customers have, how do I migrate data across to this service once I've sort of you know clicked the button and got it all up and running? So we, we have a number of uh, migration tools that are part of our documentation, uh, you know, quick starts and just reference architectures for how you can migrate data. I mean, just put simply, this this uh, file system is really just a fully managed SMB file share that customers can mount from their clients. So we, there, there are a number of uh, tools out there that allow customers to quickly and easily copy data. Some of these tools, such as Microsoft's RoboCopy, actually use parallel data transfer techniques to copy data quickly. And so customers with existing uh, Windows setups, either in the cloud or on-premises, can use you know, a combination of either just mounting the file system directly or accessing their, their data from over direct connector VPN. And they can use tools like RoboCopy to copy their data over while also preserving things like permissions and access control lists and, and all those pieces of information. Our old friend RoboCopy just keeps on trucking, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it works. Exactly. We like we like things that work. And and one thing we yep. didn't talk about in terms of the resilience, and, and that's on, on, on me, is of course, you know, whilst uh, we, we want a platform that we can store data on, et cetera, um, I, I know that users and administrators would never accidentally delete a file that they didn't mean to. But if they did, uh, what's the backup capability of the service? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So with, when you create a new file system, actually by default, uh, all file systems are configured to have automatic backups taken uh, at a daily rate, so one backup a day, with a retention period of seven days. So Amazon FSx for Windows File Server natively supports backups. Um, and so these could be either scheduled through this automatic backup capability that I mentioned, or also taken at any time using the AWS CLI or API. So these backups are actually, they're file system consistent. So we will, when you, when you initiate a backup or request a backup, we actually will pause all I.O. to the file system to ensure that the backup reflects a consistent point in time of the data in your file system. And the actual bits for your backup data are stored on Amazon S3. So what this means is your backups are highly available, highly durable across availability zones. And again, you could you could either use the the automatic backup capability that I mentioned to take daily backups, or if you want to take, you know, have a more uh, complicated schedule for backups. For example, take hourly backups for the last day and daily backups for the last week. Uh, we actually one of the reference architectures we we have in our documentation is a fully managed setup uh, through CloudFormation and Lambda functions that will actually schedule. Um, and execute these backups for you, similar to a fully managed cron job. So that's something that we see customers using who have specific backup needs. Backups allow you to, you know, at any point in time, you can restore from a backup to any availability zone within the region and, and use that to recover any data that you had at the time the backup was taken. 
And, and these are consistent backups too because it's using the volume shadow copy service or VSS as we like to call it back from my old backup days. Yeah, exactly. uh, so we're using, again, the, all, all the tools that are built in and are the formal supported appropriate tools to use for that file system. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. Let's uh, let's cover quickly the pricing aspect. I'm not going to use it as a quiz for you to, to explain the pricing. I'll, I'll just talk through it here. So clearly uh, we want customers to only pay for what they use. Uh, without any minimum fee or setup charge. There's no sort of uh, starting price. Basically, you pay by storage capacity, so it's the average amount of storage provisioned for your file systems per month, measured in gigabyte months. And there's also a, a price for the throughput capacity, so you pay for the average throughput capacity that you provisioned for your file system per month. And then for backups, you pay for the cost for the backup space. However, it is an incremental backup, isn't it? So you're, only, you're not paying for the full copy, you're just paying for the uh, the the non-duplicated data that you have to store. So uh, I think that hits the right tone in terms of how customers are using it. But maybe, um, maybe Andrew, tell us what you've been seeing from customer feedback in terms of the pricing dimension. Yeah, absolutely. So we, yeah, we we purposely have two different pricing dimensions. You know, the storage and the throughput capacity that you mentioned. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is we want to give customers the flexibility to uh, build their file systems in a way that makes sense for their particular workload. Uh, when you're creating a file system through the AWS console, we actually, uh, by default, will recommend a throughput capacity based on the storage capacity you're provisioning. And, and that largely comes just from our experience operating services, such as EFS, where we see that there's actually a pretty strong relationship for the majority of workloads between how much storage they need and how much throughput they need. So for customers who don't necessarily know how much throughput they need, we, we will, by default, recommend a throughput capacity. And, and typically... The way that uh, TCO ends up working out is storage capacity actually ends up being the majority of the cost of the file systems. But we do want to give customers that level of flexibility so that for, for example, very throughput heavy workloads, customers can increase the throughput capacity without having to over-provision storage. Or on the flip side, if they have a very cold workload with, with not a really high throughput requirement, they could provision a low throughput capacity and really only pay for the throughput capacity they need. Uh, and on the backup front, we are very excited to offer having everything be incremental. So if you take a backup and only add, for example, a megabyte file and make a second backup, that second backup is only going to be billed for an incremental megabyte. And, and this really allows customers to take backups as frequently as they need so that you, you can meet the compliance requirements, the RTO, the RPO requirements you have without worrying about the added cost of having all these uh, all these backups. Fantastic. And the nice thing about the pricing model as well is it focuses on what you're trying to deliver, which is the the storage capacity, the performance and the resilience. You're also getting, of course, that SSD-backed hardware. You're getting fresh hardware. You're getting replaceable hardware all the time that you don't have to manage or worry about. So if you're managing a, a Windows file server, this is probably something to look at. And, and maybe, Andrew, you know, you've been working with our customers for a long time in terms of, you know, putting this together and figuring out how it fits. And then there was obviously the release at, at last year's reInvent. What's some of the feedback you've got from customers who have used this now in terms of how it's helped them in their environment? So we, we have customers today who are, who are using the product for their production workloads. Um, we, we've gotten a variety of feedback on the product uh, and, and really a lot of positive feedback on the product. Customers are especially excited about all the compliance features we offer, uh, things like encryption, things like uh, PCI and ISO. We, we've gotten really great feedback about performance. Again, performance is really one of the key aspects that we wanted to design the product around to give customers something that's going to be as or more performant in the cloud as what they might have in their existing setup. And in terms of feature functionality, customers who have Windows-based applications today who are testing them on this product have all shared you know, positive results just 
uh, applications really just work the way that you expect them to in the product. And that's really, that speaks volumes to, you know, what we we're talking about at the beginning of this, of this podcast about really compatibility being such an important aspect for customers who are looking to bring their workloads into a different storage offering. Definitely. Well, it definitely sounds something uh, that if you're a listener and you're running a Windows file server, then you should be looking at this as a, as a potential option, particularly if you're doing a refresh or you're hitting performance issues or availability issues. Sounds like a pretty low friction way to make that improvement in your environment, which is great. Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.